0: Would you like to turn with me please in your Bible uh, to the New Testament, the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians? And this morning we're going to be picking up where we left off uh, last week, and uh, we're going to be picking up the first five of chapter two, and we'll be reading through to the end of chapter three together this morning. The first Thessalonians chapter two, connecting at verse five. Paul speaking of himself, along with Silas and Timothy. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others. Though we could have made demands of the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to it. For you to remember, brothers, our labour and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you, believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, For when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as David from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out, and displeased God and opposed all mankind hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they may be saved. And so as always to fill up all the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon your The sins we were return away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again but Satan hindered us. For well, what is our hope, or joy, or plan of boasting before our Lord Jesus His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent him to see our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sensed to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labour would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to for you, For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord precious God, as we uh, come to this passage now, we want to be like the Thessalonian believers, uh, the God who received the Word, not as the Word of men, but indeed as the Word of God. May your Spirit accomplish all that you want to in our lives through your Word today and in these days ahead. Because we ask it for the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, first, if you were here at uh, at first the other day, or a couple of weeks back, actually, you would have witnessed a number of children who were participating in our service, in our Kidzone service. Of course, they're giving a bit of a snapshot, at us, so to speak, of, of what their term had looked like uh, in their uh, in their time at Kidzone during uh, the uh, the school terms. Of course, Kidzone takes place on a Sunday morning uh, in conjunction with our with uh, our Sunday morning service. We've got a number of uh, people who give their uh, who give their uh, service and dedication, basically, they're teaching those kids week in and week out. And it's wonderful to see, Well, it was wonderful to see these kids as they shared with us some of the songs that they've been singing and some of the songs they've been learning, as well as the memory verses that they have, uh, had, they've been uh, working hard at to commit to memory. And we even had a few of them actually recite uh, from memory all the names of the books of the Bible. Remember that if you were here a few weeks ago? That was amazing, wasn't it? Wasn't it terrific to see that? You know, I was just so encouraged to see these children, these children taking seriously the Word of God and the things of God. And that they were, the things that they were being taught, and they they were committing them to memory. And I just want to particularly thank all the kids' own leaders and teachers and helpers for all of your hard work throughout the year as you have we hard to, uh, you know, to nurture these children in your care. I truly hope that 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 particular service is a real encouragement to you because it it's it good to see our kids doing as well as they, as they were. Now, a bit later on that week, i got to hear another story of how one, another one of our children had actually, and uh, how had applied something that they had been learning about God, uh, and it, they've been learning about that in a different setting, but they had applied that learning, and it has actually helped them to face a particularly difficult and significant challenge in their own life, uh, in, you know, in, around that time. And, uh, you know, just to see our children actually, you know, reading the Word of God, committing it to memory, committing it to heart, and then seeing how the Word of God then actually helps them in their life, how uh, that a spirit applies that in their life, and then helps them face significant challenges, Boy, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Hey? about giving God glory as He works in. You know, surely this needs to be the desire of of everyone who who seeks to teach God's word and encourage people to treasure and obey in their hearts and mm-hmm. their You know, for me, there's, there's no there's no greater reward than seeing the word of God take root in people's hearts we've then results in holy living that brings glory to God. Now, this has been perhaps one of the main driving motivations of, of my ministry as you have it here for the past 17 years. And as we come to this particular passage this morning here in, in First Thessalonians, we're going to see this, this very same emphasis from the Apostle Paul in the context of his ministry along with Silas and Timothy there in Thessalonica. In this particular passage, he describes what a gospel state ministry looked like for him and for his companions, and um, how important it was, the the proclamation of the Word of God, but then actually seeing it take root in people's hearts and lives, and to bring about fruit for the kingdom of God. As we look at, at his example, I hope that we're going to pick up ourselves um, my clue as to how we ourselves can be living gospel-state lives and practicing gospel-state ministries in our own context today. So this morning, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the conduct of, the, of their ministry, we're going to look at the consequence of their ministry, and we're going to look at the consolation of their ministry, okay? Three things. So let's begin this morning with the uh, with the conduct in which Paul and his companions carried out their ministry. and We see that in verses 5 to 12 of chapter 2, but then also from verse 17, 3 to chapter 3 and verse 7 of our passage. See, as we read uh, these these verses, we see that, you know, Paul and uh, and his companions were not about seeking the approval of people in relation to the gospel ministry that that they were proclaiming. They were not about flattering them in order to earn their favor, nor were they about seeking glory. For Look at verse five, as we picked up this morning. It says, "For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext to read. It wasn't about them in their own pockets, as many of the the teachers in that day were all about. For those going say that God is our witness. Nor do we seek glory from people, whether it be from you or from others. Though we could have made demands of the prophets of Christ, you know." As, as representatives of Christ, of Christ sent ones with, you know, proclaiming the gospel, they could have made demands on the people, but they didn't. But no, they were gentle among them. Paul says, you know, their ministry was certainly, it was certainly wasn't a self-serving ministry, but rather it was a ministry based on love and sacrifice. So it looks like all my points have come up in one day there. They were meant to come up one after another. I obviously haven't saved it right. All right, are you going to get them? So you know where we're going, don't you? All right? Okay, so no one next point. Their ministry was not a self-serving ministry, but one of love and sacrifice. And we see that in the images that Paul then uses in this passage. In fact, he uses two specific images. One is of a nursing mother in verse 7, and the other of a father with his children in verse 11. You know, in himself to a nursing mother, Paul basically says that he and his companions, they were gentle towards these Thessalonian Christians. Of course, it speaks to if anyone's ever seen a, a mother, you know, nursing child, there's a child, there's a tenderness and a kindness that is there. But, of course, to nurse a child I means you care for that child. You want to, to make sure that that child is getting what they need in order to, to survive and, and to thrive and to grow. And Paul is saying that was that was his focus. He wanted to see these, these Thessalonian believers, you know, grow and thrive in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was his main emphasis of his ministry to see that that happened to disciple these be believers in the faith in Jesus Christ. And they did so with tenderness and gentleness. Now, one of the things I understood you know, as I was thinking of about how Paul and his companions share the gospel with these, um, with these believers. They remind us today about, you know, our own uh, efforts in order to share the gospel with those around about us. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to sharing the gospel with others, we can sometimes uh, see them just as evangelistic targets, can't we? You know, like, here's this person I need to share the gospel with, and so we kind to of sort of see the person as a, as a project rather than a person rather than a, than a human being that God loves and, and treasures and, and wants them to, to come to a, a faith in Him and, 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 and to enjoy a relationship with Him. You know, there's a time and a place for sharing the gospel with complete strangers. But I think that, it, you know, when it comes to the, the vast majority of our evangelistic efforts, what we need to do is we need to make sure that we're taking time to get to know people, the people who we actually wanted to share the love of Jesus with, that we we take time to genuinely care for and and have concerns for them and for their spiritual well-being, to genuinely care for them, to share our lives with them. Just as Paul says here, that when they came, they not only shared the message of the gospel of God with them, but they shared their very selves with these people. One of the uh, the things uh, with sharing the gospel of Jesus is that it's a a long, it can be a long-term thing, a long-term commitment. And as as followers, we need to be ready to 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 make those long-term investments with those people around about us. You know, today we find that people are just so time poor. We ourselves we find it just so time poor. One of the challenges we face as Christians today in the midst of the busyness of life and that sort of thing is that, you know, we, as we heard last week, we've been instructed with the gospel of God to take that to our world. And that means that we have to make sure that we are, we are finding the time to invest in these relationships, to build them up, to, to, to get to know people, to get to know what makes them tick, to get to know what things are, are important to them in their own lives and then to sort of seek to, to share the gospel in ways which connect with those, with those you know, things in, in those people's lives as well. Of course, at some point, you know, when, we can certainly share, you know, Jesus through our actions and that sort of thing and by showing love and, and, and concern. But at some point, there needs to come... You we know, a, a communication of the gospel message and a call for response in that. And I think as Christians today, we can be really good at the uh, at uh, getting alongside people and and uh, and, and showing care and concern, but we're not real good at actually then opening our eyes and actually sharing the gospel and calling for a response from that perspective. And so, that's a challenge for us as the people of God in our world today: is that we do need to verbally communicate that gospel. You know, that, that we, as as, as, as as human beings, are sinful human beings. That we are alienated from God because of our sins And that there is nothing that we can do in order to earn God's favor or his forgiveness. But that in his mercy and his grace, God has sent Jesus to be the Savior, to be our Savior. To die the death that we deserve for our sin. To take on himself the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. But then, because of his perfect life and because of his perfect sacrifice, he rose from the dead in in victory over a sin. And that all who put their faith and trust in him can have their sins forgiven and know that they are the children of God. Because that's the message we call to proclaim. And we need to be absolutely arrested by God's love for us. But we also need to recognise that there are those around us whom God loves as well. And we may be the only people who hope they hear the message of the gospel. need to be like nursing mothers in terms of our lives and affection and care for the people around. the world. Not only did Paul and his companions share the gospel message, but what they also especially concerned with was their own conduct, so that they did nothing to undermine the message they preached. We see that in verse 10 of our passage this morning, That Paul writes, "...you are witnesses and God also... How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. You know, none of us are perfect, and we are going to do things which are sinful and hurtful. And we need to be people who are ready to admit our sins, confess that, and seek the forgiveness of God and of one another, those whom we've hurt. But what we also need to do is, is, is live in such a way. That commend the gospel message rather than condemn it. And how sadly we've seen so many examples of the way in which Christians live that actually serves as something which actually makes the gospel unattractive rather than attractive. Isn't that true? Over the centuries, the church sadly has been terribly guilty of behavior that is ungodly and harmful. And it's led, um, sadly, to many abandoning their faith or cementing their rejection of God. And so we need to keep in mind that when we are guilty of such things, that we, we not only harm the message of the gospel, but what we're doing is actually bringing shame and contempt for the name of God because of our behavior. And we need to take that to heart. As I said, we've been entrusted with this gospel, and it is a very weighty responsibility, one that needs to be taken incredibly seriously. Paul said, when they came to the Thessalonians, that, that they were very careful in how they conducted themselves amongst these people. And Paul says, or we see in this passage here, that Paul and his companions, their particular um, a ministry was, was one we could refer to as this old kind of word called winsome. Anyone ever heard of that word before, winsome? It means to be to be, um, love, something that is lovely, something that is sweet or attractive or appealing. That's the kind of ministry that we're called as believers to carry out in our work today. A winsome kind of ministry. Is that characteristic of us? Is that characteristic of you and of me? Not only is it to be a a, a ministry of wisdomness, but it's also to be one of integrity and one of faithfulness. Paul and Silas, since Timothy, they were willing to pay any price they were willing to make any sacrifice in order to share the gospel. And they did it in a way that it was just convincing, but it was also one of humility, integrity, and faithfulness to the world around the them. And that's the kind of ministry we are called to have ourselves. As the people of North Time Baptist Church, but particularly as followers of Jesus. The gospel, though, is not just a message we preach in order to see people get saved, but it's also a message we preach in order to encourage and exhort one another in holy living. we see that in verse 11 and 12 of that passage today. It says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and the world. I think each and every one of us are all too familiar with our these behaviours and patterns, aren't we? We're all pretty aware of them. And I think the last thing that we need is for someone to beat us up over our sins. Sadly, as Christians, we do. Rather than care for our injured, we shoot our wounded, and there is. A time for holding one another accountable. Holding one another accountable in our system works. But we need to do so with humility and grace, realizing that we ourselves are guilty, maybe not of the same sin, although we may be, but we're certainly guilty of that. And folks, it is far too easy, and I've said this time and time again from this paper, it is far too easy to criticize and tear one another down, to point out another sin, and yet to get out But the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus, Jesus does not condemn us, but seduce us. His perfection makes up for our imperfection. And God has shown us incredible grace by calling sinners to be a part of his kingdom and sharing this world. You and me. And what a privilege that is, huh? And what a joy that is. I pray it's a to you. It's on this basis, on the basis of the gospel, that Paul charges and encourages the Thessalonian believers to walk in a manner worthy of God, and therefore we need to be proclaimers to the gospel every minute of every day, both to unbelievers but also to believers, and also to ourselves. Now I had a conversation with uh, with a person the other day, well not long ago actually. They were sharing with me the fact that saying, were struggling with a particular thing in their life, and it was causing them a great deal of angst and, and 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 trouble. And they would constantly bring that before God and confess it, but they would find themselves again not long later committing the same sin, and, and what the thought that was going through their mind was. How could God love a person like me who continues to sin the way in which I do? And I said with that, that person, the gospel, that it is not about what we do or what we don't do that ends us or that, say that, that we get God's love given to us. God gives his love to us Freely because of His grace. Doesn't he? The problem is we 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 kind of realize and we accept God's you know God's offer of forgiveness to get in the door, so to speak, to become saved. But then, for some reason, we kind of then throw that news out of the window, and then we get on this treadmill of work salvation after that. And God says you don't need to be on that treadmill. You've already got my love. You've already got my forgiveness. You've already got all the grace that I can give you, despite your sin. So don't think that you know, as a, as a follower of Jesus, you've got to get on this treadmill and think that day after day you've got to earn God's love and God's grace and forgiveness. God's already given to that given that to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. I was reading another wonderful book while I was on my time off. And I know I've been telling you about a whole lot of books recently, but I've had so much fun to read. It's been great. But the book that I've been reading is quite a fellow called Eric Raymond. And it's called, He is not a saint. And it's based on that uh, that verse in Hebrews chapter two, verse 11, where it speaks about Jesus. It says, "He is not ashamed to call us brothers." Now, I know who touch the ladies, that can probably jar a bit because, because, of, you know, the feminine kind of context. But, but when we're thinking about that, and we're thinking in the context of, of, of biblical covenant and that sort of thing, we're all brothers in Christ because it, it, it's to do with that, with that with that with that covenant love of God and the family relationship that God that God set up. Jesus self is not ashamed to call us brothers or sisters in brothers. Sometimes we can think we get so ashamed, don't we? We get so ashamed of ourselves that God is not ashamed of me. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Lord, regardless of what your life looks like now, and your life might look a real monster, I mean. Jesus is not a son. Not a son to prove you, God. Not a son to prove you, this Christ. And one of the things that stands out in this whole section, this whole passage here we we'll have been looking at in First Thessalonians is Paul's concern for the spiritual well-being of the Thessalonians in Paul makes reference to the Thessalonians by four times in five verses. Look at the New chapter 3 verse 3. He says, But for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the temptation for you and our labor would be in the But now Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and life and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our discussion of Christian, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Four times in five verses, Paul speaks about the Thessalonian state. And as you know, Paul and Cyrus and Timothy they come to Thessalonica. They spent three weeks there, three weeks, three Sundays proclaiming the gospel of God. And then after that, they were run out of town. And they had to go down to Berea. But they never stop thinking about, and praying for, and having concern for the Thessalonian believers. That's why Paul said, you know, we were torn away from you, brothers, but we may have been torn away in Christians, but we're not in heart. The character and the quality of the Thessalonians faith was the most important aspect. Of these three lives that Paul was concerned for. Me. I should know, say it's one of the it is the most important, it was not the only, but the, one of the most important aspects for this. In chapter 3 and verse 8, Paul goes on to say this side, as he says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been confident about you through your faith, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. They would have someone and actually asked me, how are you going? And they say, living the dream. Ever heard that? Living the dream. For Paul to see the Thessalonians standing strong in their faith, he was living the dream. In fact, his life couldn't be any better because of the, the faith that he saw in these Thessalonian Christians. anyone in Christian leadership, whether they be a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a Bible study leader, a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, a parent, the most important thing that should be the spiritual well-being of those whom we've been entrusted to teach and to model the gospel faith. In fact, the spiritual well-being of our brothers and sisters in Christ be the primary concern of everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. And the question we need to ask ourselves today is this is, is, is that, that reflected in our life priorities? Is it reflected in our conversations with one another? When we go out for morning things after the church service on a Sunday, what are our conversations about? Are they about matters of faith? Or are they about the footing? Are they about the weather? Are they about, you know, just that and you know, whatever else is, you know, fairly sort of insignificant in our world today? Can I can I encourage you one another? That when you sit together with fellow believers and you're chatting with one another have meaningful conversations and when I say meaningful conversations I mean conversations about how you're going in your faith how you're going in your walk with Jesus is there something that I can be praying for you in that do you have things that you can be praising God for that you can see he's been at work in your life are there things that you're struggling with that I can be praying with you about I'm sure when Paul got together with the Thessalonian Christians, they weren't talking about what was going on in the, uh, you know, in the in the theatre and the sporting field and that sort of thing. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about their faith, and they were talking about how to live lives honouring God in their context. And we need to be the same today. It's important to care about each other's earthly needs, and we need to be trained for, for their physical situations. But if we do that. We through our newsletter, we make you, you make be aware of, of people in our congregation who are going through particularly difficult times and challenges in their lives, and we seek we, we to meet the practical, everyday needs of one another, But one of the most important things, the most important things we need to be focused on in terms of our attention is one another's spiritual condition and our religion. The next two points are really quick, okay? That was just the first, all right? And the next characteristic of the gospel state ministry that I want to draw attention to is the consequence of the gospel ministry that Paul and his companions carried out there in, in the you see that in verses 13 to 16 of chapter 2, where he says this. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is the word for you, brothers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For so you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Paul, thanks to God and rejoicing and knowledge that they preached the gospel as they lived out the gospel amongst these profiling Christians. There were those who accepted the Word of God as that, the Word of God. And the the evidence of that, the evidence of their genuine conversion was that they became imitators of Paul and of the other Christian churches, particularly those in Judea, who were coming under persecution. Now, there's a great concern today for... That there are many in our churches, particularly churches around our own country, but right across the world, where people do not accept the Word of God in the same way that the except accepted the Word of God. Here. But instead, they only seek to obey only that which they are agreeable to and which doesn't impinge upon their own freedoms or sinful passions. So sadly today, too many in the church are just living out a religious moralism rather than a genuine spiritual conversion. The telling factor will be seen in the evidence of their life, particularly when they find themselves in crisis, particularly when they find themselves in persecution, in the fire of tribulation. The Thessalonian Christians, they imitated the faith even though it means they're being oppressed and persecuted by the people around the block. And we need to ask ourselves the question are we ourselves willing to be imitators of Jesus like this, like these people? Now, when I think of the leaders believers around the world who are enduring significant uh, suffering for their faith, Am I willing to be imitated like them? Am I willing to remain faithful to Jesus and his word and his mission regardless of what it costs me? The life of a genuine follower of Jesus will be one of suffering and hardship in this world. We saw that last week. The place we need to keep in mind that this world is not all there is and that as followers of Jesus, as his children, we are just sojourners. We are just people who are passing through on our way home, right? Yes. So don't put down roots here instead be looking there, Francis once used a, um, a, uh, a wonderful illustration of what eternity looks like. He had this massive, big, long rope. It was the longest rope I've ever seen. And it just went on and on and on. And he sort of, you know, unrolled it for a while. And, on. and then at the end, right at the very end, was this little bit of, of, of tape around one end of the rope. And he said, you want to know what our life is like? He said, it's, it's like this on the rope, that little bit of tape rope on the end. The rest is eternal. And yet we focus so much on this tiny little bit and we forget about that. And for Paul, he's got eternity right at the thought of his mind. But not only does he seen, you know, see, you know, these believers, he's growing in their faith and giving indicators and, and, and he sees that their faith is real, he says, but, 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 but that faith, the, the reason they have that faith is because these people have the same understanding of Jesus as Paul, And that is that, that Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen! Jesus is coming back! And that's the consolation of the ministry that Paul has in mind in verses 9 through the thirteen of chapter 3 because as we carry out this gospel ministry that God has entrusted us with, we can expect that there will be those who will receive the word of the gospel with joy and their lives will be transformed by it. And that's got to of be the thing that we, we rejoice in, we rejoice over. There is no greater joy than anything this world can offer than the see of a, 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 a sinful human being who is lost in darkness come to saving faith in Jesus and enter into the kingdom of God. There's nothing greater, more joyful than that. And Paul says it is these people who will be our crown of reward in heaven. Crowns which we will one day lay at the feet of Jesus, giving him glory because it was only because of him that we were able to begin to end such a wonderful and gracious and glorious ministry. Class. It's what kept Paul going amidst the persecution and the opposition and this is what needs to keep us going as we carry out the gospel ministry Jesus is commissioned with on this earth. Paul says, and what is our joy? What is our hope or joy or crown of both before our Lord Jesus? At his coming? Is it not you? Yes, it is. You are our glory and joy. later on. He said, for what thanksgiving can we return to God's you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray, most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and provide what is needed in your faith. Mm-hmm. Paul saw that this was his consolation. This is what kept him going. Knowing the joy that he had in being used by God to bring lost, broken, sinful human beings into a relationship with God that they might be restored and they might be given hope and they might have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And Paul's high, high were connected with how others were going in their love for the Lord. Can I ask you this morning, and I'm going to close with this, what excites you? What excites you? I mean, what really gets you, you know, super bugged in your life? Because I guarantee that the thing that gets you most super excited in your life is the thing that you treasure most. And if it's not the things of God, and if it's not in sin, so, so then we've got our priorities, have not we? Okay? We will face growing opposition in the years ahead. You can guarantee it, and it's going to get harder and harder to stand boldly for Jesus and proclaim the gospel to an unbelieving world. And young people, particularly, I say to you today that it's hard for us now, but it is going to become harder and harder for you to be a follower of Jesus in our world. The thing that I take great comfort from, and the thing which I used to take great comfort from today, is this: Not that. It's that is that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you, and he will not abandon you, he will not forsake you, and he will give you whatever you need to stand strong and firm for him. You can guarantee it because he promises, and God's promises are free. But you know what? God has given us community, and so kids particularly. I pray that you will seek community of other believers in Jesus Christ. People who take their faith seriously and who have have sold out to Jesus in their life, who want to live boldly and strongly for Him. We need one another. We can't do this on our own. And this is why our Sunday gatherings are so important and why I encourage people not to forsake the gathering of the people of God, you know, whether it be through the week in a a small fellowship group or whether it be here on a Sunday. Do not neglect the gathering of the people of God because we need one another. And if, if if we isolate ourselves, we're going to find, we're going to become a statistic. Going for safer. please. Paul finishes this section with a prayer, and more opened up this, this, this service today with this same prayer, and it's just says, oh, another just, it just reaffirms to me, you know, guys, Spirit is, has really been at work in putting this service together this morning, as He always is. But it's the Spirit for He said, "Can I just read it to you?" He says, "Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you." In other words, there's that community, right? There's that togetherness. Direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. We need the, the loving community of God here in this place. so that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Your holiness depends upon the work of the Spirit of God in your life, but the Spirit of God uses community in order to build that holiness and maintain that holiness and strengthen that holiness. So how about we've made that out there that the one another, as the people of God here in this place, can I encourage you this week to get out your Bibles, the First Thessalonians of chapter three, the last few verses, and pray that prayer for one another this week, that we might indeed be this kind of community for Jesus Christ. Huh? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for mm-hmm. you. We thank you for the encouragement that comes from us. The Lord, we thank you, too, for the challenge it comes from. And I pray that we've not only been encouraged today, that we've been challenged today. And Father, if there are people here in this congregation this morning who who find that, you know, your Holy Spirit is indeed convincing them in our hearts to press something in their lives that they need to get right with you today, I pray, Lord, that, that they will not leave this place without coming before your throne of grace and confessing that before you, Lord, and receiving the forgiveness of comes through faith in you for being reminded of the love that you have for us. But Lord, you are not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, your children. And Father, may we go out into this week in the knowledge that you are with us and help us stand strong and boldly to you and be proclaimers of the gospel in words, in actions, in deeds. For we ask this in your name and your Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information, and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.